We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Jesse, are you ready for rapid fire? Oh, I'm always ready for rapid fire. Awesome. Well, here we go. So, unfortunately, we start off with a little somber news. Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach passed away, of course, earlier today. My question, when you think of Mike Leach, what's the first thing that comes to mind? To me, the first thing that I thought of, there were two things I thought of, and one could be taken as a bad thing. And I'll, I'll get to that here in a second. But the number one thing that I, I think of um, with Mike Leach is just his overall like funniness, right? Like he was such a quirky kind of free thinking outside of the box guy. He is like, if you made a cookie cutter mold of what a college football coach is, he's like the complete opposite. He's kind not of, it. Yeah. yeah. He's the complete opposite of everything, you know, that, that, that a college coach is. And then at the same time, you ask you can ask him any question at any time, right? Like if you ask Nick Saban some of these questions, he tell you to piss off. But Mike Leach will give you a very funny, kind of thoughtful response. Like you know, everyone knows the form for his marriage advice, right? And uh, you know, his his I saw this video of him this season where he was taking chairs away from some of his players because they didn't deserve them, right? So it's just like the quirkiness, the funniness, and the lightheartedness were a lot of things I enjoyed about Leach. And I actually watched an interview today with Lane Kiffin um, on ESPN. He did something this morning. And what he talked about is he was one of the few coaches that he and like looked forward to meeting before games, right? Like, you know, you see all these coaches before games, they go up midfield and he basically Kiffin was like, no one wants to go out there, right? None of these coaches want to talk to you. Uh-huh. It's just like a glancing, hello, good luck, whatever. But he said he always looked forward to Mike Leach because that is someone that was just always so nice to him. So always so embraceful for him. And he said the same thing when they went to like SEC coaches meetings, like, you know, when you get down there, it's all, all these coaches hate each other, but there's Mike Leach, you know, talking to everyone, making sure, you know, he's, he's giving his rounds. Right. And so that's the, the first thing I remembered. And then I obviously remember the Texas tech situation uh, where he, he decided to put a coach, a player was concussed, put a player in a shed because there's no light in a shed. So of course, how could he get worse if he's in a shed? Obviously, that went the wrong way, but that's that's I think of his time at Texas Tech, Michael Crabtree when he was down there. Um, yeah. And I think another thing that I, I sorry I know I'm kind of rambling here, but Mike Leach was such a great coach wherever he was at. He was in 
three different power conferences, right? He was in the Big 12, he was in the Pac-12, and he was in the SEC. And Kiffin was talking about, you know, everyone talked about Mike Leach saying, oh, when he takes that next step, his offense isn't going to make it because defenses, he's going to go against better defenses. They're going to, you know, scout him out, whatever. Lane Kiffin said in this last game that they played at the end of the season, he had his players calling out the exact route that Mississippi State was going to run. Everyone knows what Mike Leach is going to run, but he runs it to perfection. And he said, you know, his corners knew what were coming, and he still, the, the quarterback still executed it with perfect timing and executed the play. So, you know, there's a lot to unwrap when it comes to Mike Leach. And I think at the end of the day, like I said, I just enjoyed his lightheartedness and quirkiness. There was never a bad time with him. It always seemed like he was enhancing the moment uh, rather than kind of declining the moment. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, one, he was an offensive innovator, the air raid offense. You know, it's common phrase now you hear about air raid all the time, but the roots go back to Mike Leach and Hal Mummy back in their early days, like 30 some years ago. And, and, you know, again, offensive innovator. He became known as the pirate. He wrote that book with Bruce Feldman a few years back. It was like swing your sword or, or something like that back when he was still at Texas Tech. But you're right. Like, he was just the guy, he was an original, a unique personality who I think you started off by saying it. When you think of cookie cutter, he was far from a cookie cutter kind of guy. You know, there was, he never gave the canned cliche responses. He had always right. had his unique spin on everything. And I saw somebody bring up the candy corn. And I saw that in one of the things that I saw, an interview that I saw with him. Like he's talking about how bad candy corn is and, and that kind of stuff, you know, and it's, he, he, he just always had his own unique spin and sort of, you know, his just his own little flair for everything. Just an original is what he was. Like Hank Hill said, he mowed against the grain, you know, Mike Leach. He was he was not going to go with the grain. Interesting that Carter Carls, a guy who used to be on the beat, covered recruiting for the South Bend Tribune here in town for a while, and he's down at Florida State now. Carter interviewed Mike Leach a few years back and they were talking about Ian Book because Ian Book originally committed to Washington State before he flipped to Notre Dame and Mike Le- Carter said that Mike Leach told him that Ian Book would have led the nation in passing if he had gone to Wazoo instead of Notre Dame. I think that's very interesting. That's how badly Mike Leach, you know, like when people think of of Ian Book and what they saw at Notre Dame and what Mike Leach apparently saw in Ian Book, but you know when he was recruiting him, a lot different take. Like if it, that, that's like you talk about rewriting history, I would like to have seen that. What Ian Book would have looked like in that air raid offense? Yeah, and and that is actually a really good point because you know nothing against Notre Dame and, and Ian Book, but I I think he would have been a better quarterback in Mike Leach's system. And now that I think about it, I he's like the ideal quarterback to kind of run that offense essentially so always you know should have could have would have but man it's just it is it is ultimately just so sad like if you want to have a, a some good laughs just google or sorry youtube uh, you know mike leach funny moments and you could watch hours on hours of just different clips i, I watched one today of him discussing which pac 12 mascot would win in a fight and it's like <laughs> he gave a very thoughtful answer it wasn't like he was going through mascot by mascot naming right. their pros and cons and he actually put some them. thought to it yeah exactly. that's right he's he's analyzing the mascots and like stymie said there a little bit like the uh bill walton of college football that's probably a good way to put it you know each of them in their own way you know so 
he will uh, he will definitely be missed. College football is going to miss him because there just aren't many guys like him who are who are willing to just be themselves. Right. And again, not give the canned response, but but just tell you what he really thinks and have a unique spin on what he really thinks about everything. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So here's a comment from first-year Notre Dame special teams coordinator Brian Mason talking about his special teams units the last five years. I will, uh, I'll go ahead and play it for you. It's a, it's a short clip. I'll let you hear what Brian Mason had to say about Notre Dame's special teams units. Objective being number one in the country uh, before coming in, you know, the last five years, we were never in the top 25, which I think um, certainly was an underachievement. Uh, this year we finished the regular season fifth in the country. Uh, we want to make improvements to be number one. So there you go. Short and sweet. Brian Mason underachievement the last few years. Mason says, what do you think when you about when you hear that? Oh, I 100 percent agree that there has been vast underachievement, especially considering, you know, what we've seen this year and the, and the opportunities and extra possessions that Notre Dame has created with their special teams. And there's no reason that you can't, you know, I get it. You're not going to have seven, eight blocked punts per season, you know, whatever that might be. But it's a, there's a difference between having a concerted effort to be good on special teams and then just to have the mentality of just to float or not do anything negative, just to get by. And I think that's been the frustrating part. And, and what's been so refreshing about, about him is that he wants to elevate. He wants their, their special teams just to be, you know, as important as their offense or their defense. And it's a third unit of the game, obviously. So I'm just I'm just happy that the mentality has switched from, oh, you know, no one blocks punts or, oh, no one returns punts anymore. Or, oh, you know, it's it's just about being average, not really making mistakes. And that's how complacency kind of, you know, starts. And, and it should be about how can we change the game? special teams because these are extra opportunities that we get to change the game 
Absolutely. And, you know, he, one, he's straight up throwing shade. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Foley and Brian Kelly, when he says this, what says it, which it's they were always in safety mode. They were always playing it safe. And I, and I get, and he said it himself, Brian Mason has, that the first objective of a punt return man is to make sure that you secure the football. That's great, but that should not be your only objective of the punt return man. And all the excuses about nobody's blocking punts anymore, it's no different than an offensive coordinator looking at film of a defense during the week and figuring out, oh, when they line up this way, we can do this. That's exactly what it is for Brian. That's 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 how those punt blocks result. It's something that you see and if it's there, you, you know, you know how you're going to attack it. You're going to have a pretty good chance to get it. You know, he went on, I mean, he talked about a lot of different things the other day, but he also, you know, was was talking about how, you know, like fake punts and fake kicks and stuff like that. And again, he said, you know, they've had some stuff set up and ready to go during the season, but if you don't get the look, you're not going to do it. You know, you're not just going to do it to do it. You, you know, there's a certain look that you're looking for. And if you get it, you're going to fake it. And, you know, they just haven't seen it yet. So there's a lot of stuff that that goes into it. And it's just it's very refreshing to see that there are actually guys who are who are taking it seriously and they're not just playing it safe out there. Because like when you look at and what's interesting about this matchup with South Carolina, Notre Dame is the fifth best special teams units in the nation. South Carolina is number one. Where does that come from? Shane Beamer the son of Frank Beamer, of course, when he was at Virginia Tech, and Frank Beamer was known for his special teams. He was he was the guy who was known for it's not just that other phase that does have any does not have any impact on the game. Like Notre Dame, you're, you're talking about the top two teams in blocked kicks this season: South Carolina and Notre Dame. And what's interesting is Clemson is one of the top kick block teams in the country too. And Clemson didn't get any against Notre Dame. So there'll be an over under coming on block kicks for the Gator bowl. Once we get closer, <laughs> I'm sure. Well, and, you know, it's, and I, I guess I'll throw a little shade at Brian Pullian myself. Now there's, there's a reason why Mr. Pullian has been, you know, largely just a special teams coordinator over the last, however many years. And a guy like, you know, Coach Mason, he he's going to get his opportunity to be a head coach because, you know, this is how you make you stand out. Like you if you can prove that you can schematically get it done in special teams where you're very limited on the on the chances you get. Imagine what you could do, you know, as as a coordinator, a position coach, whatever it might be. And so those things stick out. And so when, when you when you're constantly trying to elevate and take the most of your opportunities, that sticks out. And that, that just shows to me that coach Mason is eventually going to get his turn and is going to continue to kind of climb, you know, the co the coaching ranks because of, you know, how seriously he takes his, his job, no matter what it might be. you know, a lot of people might think, Oh, it's just special teams. But like I said, there's so many different opportunities in a game where special well, teams can lead to, to big time changing plays. And you get less time to prepare during the week for special teams as well. Yeah, you it's only usually... get like three periods per practice. You know, you yeah. don't get a lot of committed time. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You got one of your fans chiming in, Jesse the man. One so, of the yeah. one of the 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 small group. We're a small club. club. <laughs> I'm sure it's bigger than. <laughs> okay, so Dylan McCullough, of course, the running backs coach at Notre Dame. 
Both of his sons have committed to the University of Oklahoma. The defensive end, Desan McCullough, was at Indiana. He entered the transfer portal last week, and he has picked Oklahoma over Notre Dame. Desan was the number 43 prospect in the 2022 class and a standout true freshman at Indiana this past season. And his brother, Day, who was a senior at South Bend St. Joseph this season, is a safety. He committed to OU as well. So my question to you, and this comes from, again, some comments that I've seen from fans, is this a bad look on Deland and Notre Dame that his sons picked Oklahoma over Notre Dame? You know, I, people are going to make this a big deal, but at the end of the day, and I thought it was funny because I saw that his, you know, the one son was in the transfer portal and the one son was, you know, basically deciding where he wants to go now that high school is over. And I just had a very funny feeling that it was going to be a package deal. And it reminded me a lot of the Tranquil brothers uh, when I was kind of going through the going through high school and stuff. Is those guys wanted to play together, but ultimately, you know, Drew was just obviously uh, better than his brother who played cornerback. And I think they both wanted to play at Purdue at some point, and that was kind of the plan. But then, you know, Drew got Notre Dame, and you know, things kind of shifted. But to me, it always felt like it was going to be a package deal that they were going to go together. Um, but at the end of the day, it's really not a big deal. And I'll tell you why, because, you know, these kids have lived with their father their entire life. They see him every single day. He's been around, you know, coaching them, teaching them, you know, probably doing backyard drills with them, all this stuff. You know, it's their time to to, to grow their wings, leave the nest and be their own guys. You know, I, I don't I don't see anything wrong with them kind of wanting to forge their own path going forward, you know, kind of getting away, branching off and becoming independent of, you know, who their father is, essentially. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, you look at um, Mike Bianco. Use this as an example. Mike Bianco is the head baseball coach at Ole Miss. They just won the national championship this past season. So he's he's been the head coach at Ole Miss for a long time. His son didn't play for him at Ole Miss. He played for Palmineri at LSU. You know, so like you're you're talking about a national championship level coach. He let his son go play someplace else. He didn't force his hand in the decision. And like you look at the McCulloughs, like Dylan McCullough was just at Indiana last year, and his son was obviously at Indiana last year. Well, Dylan is now at Notre Dame, and he wants to become you know like a college head coach at some point. And to become a college head coach, he's going to have to become a coordinator. Well. Look how quickly Lance Taylor came and went at Notre Dame. He went from running backs coach to offensive coordinator, and now he's the head coach at Western Michigan. So who's to say, you know, like if if Desan had decided he's going to go to Notre Dame, who's to say that Deland is even going to be around in a couple of years? And I'm not, you know, like because of his career goals, like he could move on again. Like he's all, they, you know, they already were at the same place once. And now Dillon went someplace else, and he could be someplace else in a couple of years. So just because he would have come here, is, you know, that's that's one thing. The other thing, though, is you have – he's an undergrad transfer. And what have we talked about with undergrad transfers? It's not as easy to get an undergrad transfer into Notre Dame as it is a graduate transfer because a graduate transfer already has his degree in hand, so you don't have to worry – about department heads and, you know, deans and, you know, credits transferring and all those different things. And I'm not saying this good or bad either way, but guys also obviously have to meet the academic requirements of Notre Dame. And I have no idea what his, you know, transcripts look like and all that stuff. But 
you know, my point is it's harder to get undergrad transfers in at Notre Dame than it is a graduate transfer. And in fact, Marcus Freeman, some, that's something else that he was asked about at his press conference Saturday. And here's his comments on that. Very clear transparency between myself, our admissions, our coaches. Um, yeah, it's difficult. And, but we understand that it's, this university um, is difficult for anybody. You know, and, and that's what makes it so unique. And we can't dilute that. We can't um, take that for granted as a football program. The things we sell um, in terms of not just playing national championship cali caliber football, but being a part of a, a university that offers you so much. We have to embrace that and understand not every recruit or not every football player is going to be the right fit for this university. This is what we chose. This is what I chose. This is what these coaches chose. Um, and so we can't pick and choose when we want to embrace that. We want to embrace it when we sell Notre Dame, right? You can play top-notch caliber football, the best, be developed. But you're also getting education that is top-notch, you know. We can't want to sell that to high school kids, and then all of a sudden transfer portal comes. Who cares about that education? You know, we just want the best football player. We can't do that. We can't pick and choose. We have to embrace what makes this place special, the opportunity to play at Notre Dame special. And um, listen, we understand that it takes certain individuals um, academically to be able to transfer in here. And but if they're good students, and uh, you know, their their credits transfer over and it's the right fit for us and for them, we'll be able to get it. Yeah, so, you know, the question arose, he was basically asked, you've been here for a year, is the whole undergraduate thing, has it changed at all? Has there been any movement in that? Has there been any sort of uh, change in, in attitude from the top on getting undergraduate transfers in? And you heard him talk about it right there. It ain't changing. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it is changing. And, you know, so again, like when you couple that with what we were just talking about, you had a kid who was a freshman who's going to transfer now, you know, so you still have to deal with that. It's, it's still an issue. So I don't, I don't see any issue with either one of McCullough's kids, you know, going to Oklahoma. And especially when you combine the fact that he would have been an undergrad transfer trying to move up here. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't sweat it. Yeah. And I thought Freeman brought up another really good point that I don't think a lot of people often think of is, you know, a lot of these universities have credits or classes very specific, you know, to their university. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about transferring, you're, you could almost lose half a year, even a year of, you know, college credits just because, you know, Nerdame has a very certain criteria of what classes transfer over, right? Like your, you know, like the, these kind of smaller, you know, how do I put it? There's very like calculus is calculus wherever you go, right? Like chemistry is chemistry wherever you go, but there's yeah. certain classes that freshmen take that just even sophomores that just don't transfer over. Well, they're very specific to the school that they go to. No, that's exactly right. And like when I was still in high school and I was, there were, I had a couple different offers from a couple junior colleges to go wrestle at these junior colleges in Kansas and started talking to them about that very thing. A junior college is only a two-year school. So once you're done at the junior college, you have to go someplace else. 
And, you know, what they started talking about was like they even if you went to a, another school in state, there was no guarantee that your coursework was going to transfer. And so we're talking about junior colleges to predominantly other state schools. And so when you're talking about a private school and an institution like Notre Dame, you know, it's I think it's even more magnified. So, yeah, I, that's there's there's just no guarantee what you're taking at one place is going to transfer to another. And that's why it becomes so complicated when you're talking about undergrad transfers. Exactly. Okay, next one. Buy or sell. The transfer portal, as it is set right now, now they have made adjustments to it. The current window is a 45-day window that obviously started last week, and it runs for 45 days through the middle of January. So do you buy or sell that this current window should only be open after the bowl games in January and not open right now. For yeah, I, I'm actually a fan of opening it once the season like is concluded and over because, you know, we talked about the, the thing with Drew Pine and I have no problems with him leaving. I just felt that my only qualm was that, you know, job wasn't finished. The season wasn't finished type situation. And so I see it on the end of, you know, if you want to transfer, you don't want to potentially get hurt in, in the bowl game. But let's be realistic. You know, transferring now, it's not like Drew Pine or going into the portal now. It's not like Drew Pine's going to come out of the portal, go meet up with his new team and be dressed for the bowl game or getting into any workouts. Like, regardless of when you go into the transfer portal and when you decide, like, you still have to wait until the season's over before you can actually get in there and start, you know, training with the team, whatever it might be. So, for me, I, I personally think that the portal should open the day after the last or the day after your season ends, essentially. If you, if your season ends today, then you could go into the transfer portal tomorrow. If your season ended three weeks ago, you can go the day after. If you're in a New Year's Six Bowl game, you should be able to go in after. But, you know, I just think that there's no real advantage to going into the portal now. And the season's not really over yet in my eyes. And so to me, you have to finish. You should not have to, but it should be like almost like a civic duty to just finish out the season, finish what you started. Yep. You know, Lance says he agrees the portal should be after bowl games. I like what you're saying. Whatever, you, whenever your season ends, that's when you can go into right. the portal. You know, whenever your bowl, you know, if like if your team's not going to a bowl, which is increasingly harder all the time, as many bowls <laughs> as there are. But if your team's not going to a bowl, you can go into the portal right away. I think it would make things a lot easier for like things that are going on right now. It's like it's one thing for for guys to be getting ready for finals and to be getting ready for a bowl game and all these other things, but to throw the transfer portal into the mix, I think it just, you know, mucks things up quite a bit. And it's it's open to the middle of January already. Now it accelerates things a little bit, you know, like if you get into the portal and you, you decide you're going to go someplace in the spring. But again, like if you play at a bowl game next week, and I think they're going to, I think some bowl, yeah, some bowls do start next week. And then the day after your bowl game or the, you know, the night after your bowl game, you can go right into the portal. You still have plenty of time. So I completely agree. I, I think that, that, you know, you, you, you push it back to then till whenever your season is over and that's when you can go in. I just think that it, there's, there's just too much stuff going on with, you know, adding the transfer portal, you know, before your bowl game into the mix uh decaf 18 your his uh son is stationed in kansas at fort riley used to drive by fort riley all the time as a matter of fact that's where 
that was the final duty station my grandpa was in uh, before he retired from the Army, and then he moved to Lawrence, Kansas, where uh, KU is, but uh, uh, Junction City, where most of my mom's family is from, and we lived in Manhattan on the other side of Fort Riley. So I'm very familiar with Fort Riley, Kansas. You've driven past it many times in your life as Many well. of times. <laughs> That's right. It's like you know you're getting closer to Salina when you pass Fort Riley there. Yep. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Tom Brady autographed the ball that 49ers linebacker uh, intercepted after Sunday's game. It's awesome that Tom Brady autographed the ball for the 49ers linebacker. And I'll tell you why, because, you know, I guarantee, first of all, we're talking about the GOAT of quarterbacks, right? Like this is obviously the greatest quarterbacks ever played. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame, da, 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 da. And so if I'm a young linebacker in the NFL who probably grew up watching Tom Brady, of course, it's, it's just like these jersey swaps that these guys do. But for an interception as a linebacker, that's you know, it's a hard stat. It, it, not many linebackers get one. And then to get one off to someone like Tom Brady, again, the greatest quarterback to play and potentially, you know, a guy that uh, this I'm assuming this linebacker probably at some point watched growing up or, you know, he had to watch at some point. So I just think it's a really cool thing. Um, and I'm glad that Tom Brady did it because I would love to have an autographed football by Tom Brady, especially if I picked him off in an NFL game. Well, that's like, you know, for guys who are that age who are, you know, like still early in their career, and here's Tom Brady, who's been playing for more than two decades at this point. Like these guys literally grew up their whole lives. They've spent watching Tom Brady getting ready to go to the Hall of Fame. And then you intercept a pass off Tom Brady. Of course, you're going to want to get that autograph. I'm just shocked that Tom Brady actually signed the autograph afterwards. <laughs> that's that's what weak in his me. older age. I think he is. And, you know, he said something to the effect of, you know, he uh, it, it depends on what kind of mood he is that, you know, that a lot of times he he was not necessarily in the proper frame of mind afterwards to do something like that. But I think when you lose as lopsided as Tampa Bay lost that game, his anger was probably gone by late in the third quarter, and it just turned to dismay. So he's like, yeah, whatever. I'll sign your ball, get you out of here, whatever. But that's – that's. I mean, you talk about a cool keepsake. Like like 40 years from now, that guy's going to have an autographed ball by Tom Brady, and he can say, I intercepted one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history in a game. So it's cool that Tom Brady was a good sport enough to do it. He's getting weak in his old age, Jess. You know, it goes back to what we were talking about last week, last legs. He's going to retire soon. 
You know, it's funny you think that. I just think he's fed up with the Tampa situation. He's he's looking forward to next year, and he was he was uh, connecting a bridge because we all know that there's potential he's going to play in San Francisco next season. Yeah, he might. He might. <laughs> Brock Purdy keeps playing the way he's played. He might not, though. Nobody was That's talking true. about that guy. Fair or foul on this question? Missouri head coach Eli Drinkwitz attending last weekend's Kansas-Missouri basketball game at Missouri, first time they've played since the Tigers left the Big 12 for the SEC, Drinkwitz holds up a sign during the game that said five level one violations. Fair or foul? Uh, to me, that is a big-time foul. And I'll tell you why. You know, every we everyone knows Kansas got caught up with you know all the, the 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 violations that they committed right they served their time the players served their time they're amongst many 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 college programs that have had many violations some have been you know obviously caught many have not been caught so i mean i i guarantee at some point someone did something bad at missouri whether it was basketball football you know everyone it seems commits violations no one's the perfect person so I just kind of find it foul because of it being so far in the past, right? And I maybe that uh, maybe that's a, a tribute to why Missouri got the the doors blown off them by thirty points against Kansas, and they were themselves <laughs> an undefeated team. Uh, so I think that maybe Kansas took it a little extra step after seeing that sign. Couple of different things. Eli Drinkwitz, interesting, interesting personality, but. I think it's a little bit much for the head coach of you. Like, it's like, okay, you're, you're going to play to your base. Your base is your students and your fan base and all that stuff. And you're one of the guys. You've got your sign up there. Kansas and Missouri used to be huge rivals. Like, it was like, you know, one of the long, one, it's actually one of the, was long, one of the longest running college football rivalries in the game, you know, before Missouri went to the SEC. But, it it just seems like it's a little beneath the head coach of a you know of a foot you know it's 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 one thing when when what's his name the guy at Auburn you know goes and and oh, paints his freeze. body huh oh sorry wrong person go ahead the the basketball coach um you know who I'm talking about <laughs> took him to the final four a couple years ago Bruce Pearl it's one thing when Bruce Pearl body paints himself and you know goes takes his shirt off and does that thing out in the stands to be holding up a sign. I, I like, I think it's a little beneath a head football coach of a team to do that in the, you know, in the stands. But the other part of this is, you know, like tying football back into it, they were trying to set it up. Like they could have played each other in a bowl game. There was like, they each have the same record, Kansas and Missouri. They could have played each other in a bowl game, but apparently in you know, obviously not in playoff games, but in these other bowls, schools have the right of refusal. They can say, we don't want to play this other school if they want to. And Missouri vetoed the opportunity to play Kansas. So not only is he sitting in the stands with this sign up, but he also turned down the opportunity to play Kansas. You know, so again, it's like it's like nanny nanny boo boo type stuff. <laughs> grow up, grow up a little bit. Yeah, that's you know. honestly the the best he's he's not quite as bad as w what's going on with uh texas coach but we won't get in too deep into all that but Ooh, it's he's man. in he's in and 
I guess the only comment I'll make is I never saw that coming. I've seen interviews with him. I've seen him on the Dan Patrick show. I always thought he was a, a good guy, but it just seems like he's got himself in, in a bit of a situation right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. We appreciate you coming by. Again, there is a poll up both on my Twitter account as well as in the Champions Lounge at IB. Which would you rather see? Would you rather IB Nation Sports Talk continue to be at 6 o'clock Eastern time during the week for our live show, or would you rather see it move to 5 o'clock Eastern time for the live show? Let us know. You can uh, cast your vote either in the Champions Lounge or on my Twitter poll. Uh, at Sean Styers is where you can find it, at least for right now. You know, I guess you won't find Jesse there on Twitter much anymore. <laughs> so, I wanted to uh, address the, the big elephant in the room. Anthony Salmon brought up earlier, will there be a white whiteboard return in 2023? My whiteboards will only get better in 2023. New year, new whiteboards. Um, and there should be something coming, you know, for the South Carolina game. Don't forget that that game is still on the horizon. And as game week approaches, I'll have to be able to uh, That's true. give a couple breakdowns of what I think Notre Dame can accomplish offensively and defensively. Now, December 30th is when Notre Dame plays in the Gator Bowl. There will be an IB countdown to kickoff. Will you be joining Vince and I for IB countdown to kickoff that day for the bowl game? Um. Yeah. <laughs> you can think about it. Maybe <laughs> maybe that's the day to bring the you, whiteboard. Uh, we can you bring know, the whiteboard back before that. But. You know that I'm not good with schedules uh, as of recent. So I, I can barely keep track of what I got going this week, let alone like three weeks from now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, so again, there will be an IB countdown to kick off the day of the Gator Bowl. So when you're home on Friday, I believe it, yeah, it is Friday, getting ready for the Gator Bowl. We'll have IB Countdown to kick off that day. And, of course, there'll be a post-game show and everything else. So, yeah, you're right. There will be a bowl game and a Notre Dame men's basketball game at the same time because the ACC would not change it. You know, I, I, I've got the feeling that that maybe Jim Phillips is, you know, a little ticked off about the way this whole thing has gone and, you know, stick the screws to Notre Dame a little bit. You know, yeah, you want to change your basketball game time? Well, how about you join the ACC full time? <laughs> hey, hit the like button if you would on your way out. We appreciate you. As always, subscribe, rate, and review on all your podcast channels. We will talk to you tomorrow. It's mailbag day tomorrow, so bring your questions. We'll have answers for you, hopefully, right here on IB Nation Sports Talk.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.